0: You're listening to the QPEM Podcast. To listen to our previous Sunday worship services, please visit our website at www.qpem.org. That's Q-P-E-M dot org. This week's message was given by Pastor Peter Kim. Happy New Year to everyone. It is the first Sunday of 2021. And again, uh, it's a new start. It's a new chapter. And I pray that this would be a, a new truly new year, not just going back again to 20, maybe 19, uh, before the pandemic, but a, a new chapter that God has really planned for us as our brother Deacon Tina so eloquently prayed. God is in control, and that gives us hope and encouragement. So with that conviction, let's turn to our neighbors and wish them a happy new year. Let's fr- truly mean it and wish that to one another today, online to your families and to one another here. <laughs> You can do better than that. Come on, guys. Happy New Year, everyone. It's a new year, 2021. There we go. All right. You know, this past year, I don't have to rehash it. Challenging beyond our imagination. But how did you spend New Year's Eve into the new year was it truly that happy, joyous uh, start for you in 2021? And uh, Honestly, for my family, it was a bit uneventful. You know, instead of going to the shins and, and having our annual QPEM New Year's Eve gathering where, you know, we have a plethora of abundant feasts and then we play the, remember the youth uh, championship, right? And we, we get together and play the games and a lot of laughters and competition. I think uh, uh, my, my team... I think we won last year. We were going to wait to defend our championship. We are looking forward to that. That couldn't happen. And we didn't have that opportunity to pray together as we normally would and worship into the new year as we've done in the past. And so, you know, this past uh, New Year's Eve, my family just, you know, just stayed home, right, like perhaps many of you did as well. And, you know, did you turn on the TV? Did you even bother to watch the ball drop? Um, you know, we did. We, we tried to uh, turn it on, but NBC—I I don't think they even had a ball drop for some reason, you know. And so we tried to find it and on YouTube. We finally got this uh, uh, Times Square feed, and and I, I remember, you know, that moment, you know, in the past, you know, that excitement, the countdown, right? the 60 seconds counting down. You, you can imagine the you know, just that the really exhilaration. And uh, when I was in my 20s, I actually went to Times Square uh, to do that uh, in person, right, uh, to see the ball drop, and and it was on my bucket list, and I did it. And as a young adult, I. Maybe I recommend you do do that. I'll never do it again, right? It's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Isn't it? I'll never go back and go through that really miserable experience, you know, 20, you know, uh, I guess blocks away, we barely see a tiny little thing drop. But it was just to experience that and to be around millions of people that are just for some reason on that moment so happy, so happy, like hugging and kissing even strangers and toasting and cheering. And we're excited for this new year, but this year I didn't feel that way per se at home. You know, Kathy and I, you know, we didn't really you know, have that cheer, you know, exhilaration. Even the broadcast online was a bit uneventful. It was very, very kind of solemn, almost. I felt. And but there was one person in my household that was just really experiencing the the moments of the New Year's Eve. You had that picture back there, pixels. Um, yeah, there's my boy Caleb. Okay, you can see the joy in his face. That boy is excited. He was beyond exhilarated to welcome in the new year. Why? Because this is the latest he's ever stayed up in his life. Okay? In the midnight hour, he's said, like, daddy, can I stay? I'm like, Caleb, fine, you can try. I didn't think he would make it, but he was so excited and, and he was counting down that 10 second countdown and he said, this is the most exciting time of my life. That's what he said. I said, wow, you know, you didn't really live much. You know, that's the most exciting thing. But I, I thought about just seeing my boy so happy, and then Kathy and I, you know, all right, Happy New Year, honey, you know. What's the difference, you know? Is this happiness really that different for two people? Is it subjective, right? This term happiness that we are all longing for. Why is Caleb so happy? And perhaps maybe the rest of us didn't feel as, as such a joy, you know. And I wonder that, and, and that's why we have been studying this for uh, the past few months about what is happiness, what is the pursuit of happiness. We're all longing for it. We're all seeking for it. And we've been searching for this peace and meaning and, and satisfaction, contentment, and yet, for many, we've been still you know, on that search, the lifelong pursuit. That's why we had gone to <laughs> the wisdom book of Ecclesiastes, right? What God has to say about happiness, about satisfaction, about this lifelong pursuit, we've been learning thus far, without God, all is vanity, right? Apart from God, everything is meaningless or in a sense fleeting, just so temporary. It comes and goes, Apart from God, there is no true happiness. We've been hearing this, and I, I don't know if, if it's really sinking in yet, this truth. Do you really believe that apart from Christ, we cannot experience this pursuit of happiness that we have all been longing for, that life, as God gives to us, is, is actually a gift from him. It's not something that we try to seek after and try to gain and attain, but God has given that to us, and we don't find it from ourselves. We find it from his gift to you, that he is our source. Now, we've gone through that first half of Ecclesiastes. The preacher has been you know, sharing his search for, for the meaning and, and purpose of life, and, and he's kind of given us that thesis. Everything under the sun is, is vanity. There's nothing to be gained from our striving for it, right? Right? It has to come from God's giving, you know he's established that, and now, in the second half of the book, as I shared last week, this transition, now he's giving us advice and wisdom on how you are to live in pursuit of that, especially in the present and the future, and that's kind of where we were at last week. We learned that we do have a future, all of us, but yet that future is not determined or known on our end, that we cannot understand what that future holds. Again, 2021, we don't know what this year is going to be like. You, our families, our church. But God knows. God has determined that. Tino prayed it this morning. God, all of this is still under your control. And thankfully, it is. Otherwise, all is vanity, right? Apart from God's control, all of it would be vanity, right? So we wait in faith. And we wait with that hope, that patient hoping. And that's this big message of Ecclesiastes now again here as well, that life in this world, it's it's beyond our control. It eludes our control. We cannot control life. And I hope we understand that. I hope we believe that. Because when we do grasp that truth, that we cannot control our life on earth or determine our future, now the next question then comes naturally, then how then shall we live? How then should we live? And that's where this next half of the book and this whole chapter seven is really kicking off and what it's about here. That when we realize we can't explain everything about, you know, why my grandma died, you know, during this COVID, she could have lived longer. Why did she have to die? Why did she become sick? You know, why is my father diagnosed with cancer right now? We don't know why you know, God would allow this to happen. And once we accept, yes, there is actually injustice in this world. We've seen this past year, social injustice, oppression. There is that reality of that in our world today. When we face the fact that there's hurt in this world and a pain in our souls, that maybe will not go away here on earth, then we come to two paths in life. As we begin this 2021, this new year, we're faced with two paths to embark. Which path will we choose? One says, well, it's a crazy year. It's insane. It's just too much. So you know what? Let's just escape, right? Let's just flee. Let's numb our pain, Let's avoid the real issues and problems. Go, you know, whatever it is that numbs your pain, you know, get that new Xbox that just came out of PS5. Go and in, in, into the world of, you know, Zelda and just go off into this mystical world and just escape yourself in that world. Maybe that's better. I mean, go just, you know, just shop your life away. Just buy things continually just to... Bring that short gratification to you, the new iPhone or whatever else that's new that's going to give me that joy for about a year or so until the next version comes out. Let's do that. Party as hard as you can. Laugh as loud as you can. Drink yourselves to the point of being drunk. Escapism. Just go and just watch YouTube videos all day. Stream the Netflix, the dramas, the Korean dramas. Whatever it is, just escape from this painful world and put your mind and soul, perhaps, in another. That's one path. Many in our world have chosen that path. I'm sure many of us have at least gone down that uh, route in some way or another, right? But we do realize when we are going down that path that that life does not give us happiness, it does not give us meaning and purpose. No wonder so many who have gone down that route are in depression. Their lives are filled with anxiety and worry. They are living in fear every day. And to escape that, they, again, try to go into this all fantasy world uh, that is only temporal and fleeting and gone again. Um, That's one path to escape from reality, this world. The other path that God gives us today is offered in his wisdom book, in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter seven. The other path, and I hope we would choose this, is the path of wisdom. God's wisdom, not ours. A wisdom that teaches us how to live wisely in God's world, in the midst of all the brokenness and chaos that is in the reality of this life. You know? Two options, you can escape, And 2021 can be just a world where we just just escape from the world. Or we can actually go face it head on with the wisdom that God gives to us. Let's go down this path, this route to wisdom today. Turn with me to Ecclesiastes 7. As we begin 2021, the preacher now is sharing wisdom. This is God's wisdom to you today. And hear, oh, you know, he says in the past, people of Israel, hear now the church of God, the sons and daughters of God, hear what God has to say to you today as you begin this new year. And the preacher begins in sharing in the most surprising way, again, as books of wisdom do, that the wisest thing you can do, actually, the the wisest thing with wisdom is to realize that not even being wise will tell you everything that you want to know. Wisdom itself will not give you everything that you are looking for as well, okay? It's a surprising twist. And chapter seven is going to teach us one kind of common, I guess, truth, that there is a limitation to our life in wisdom and also in today's six verses, a limitation to our life in a very tangible way. As we go continually expounding on this word, To learn to live today in the limitations of wisdom itself. Chapter 7 is broken into two sections. We're going to cover the first section today in verses 1 to 6, the limitations of life, how our lives are limited And that's why controlling every part of our life is obviously impossible. And so we're going to find out how we ought to live. We're going to capture the rest of the chapter next week on the limitations of wisdom overall. But today, let's find out about the wisdom here that God has in verse 1 to 6. You know, our sister Neva read it, but I'm going to read verse 1 here. A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of birth. What is he talking about, right? We go through Ecclesiastes 7, and there's all these sayings, right? These little, you know, piety sayings here here and there. And they're like these little gems, these little morsels, these golden nuggets. But what does it all mean? You know, these six verses, I mean, does it all come together? Is there a common message or just random disconnected thoughts? No, there's a common message here in the first six verses. And it's telling us one thing, that our lives on earth are limited. It is finite. Obviously, it is not eternal. We know it is finite by what? Death, right? Death. Death is what will limit our life here on earth. We're not going to live forever, obviously. But death, you see, it's not just this line you draw on the sand and one day, hey, you know what? You cross this line when your time's up, bye, see ya, and then that's it. <laughs> no. There's more to what death actually can do. Teach us as we are living today. David Gibson again, Living Life Backwards. Really the theme of that book is how we ought to live our life backwards. Seeing from the point of death back. And what's he saying? He's saying death is like an evangelist, he says. How so? Death looks us in the eye and asks us to look him right back with a steady gaze allowing him to do his work in us. What do you mean, pastor? I'm not dead. How how is death going to allow his work in us right now? Well, Gibson says death is like a preacher with a very simple message. Death has an invitation for you and I. He wants to teach us something very important. And what is this? That the day of our coming death, it will come for all of us, It doesn't have to be looked upon with fear and and worry and and just just avoidance. No, it can be welcomed as a friend to help us in advance as we are living today. How so? The very limitation that death introduces into our life can actually teach you and I about life. Let's expound what that means again. Verse 1. You know, it says a like, good name is better than precious ointment. First. Why saying, of course, sure, that makes sense. Names are very important. Our reputation is important, right? You know, the, the way we, you know, name our children, there's a reason for that. The, our names, you know, how, how people think of us, what they, what they uh, you know, perceive of us, it's very important, isn't it, you know? I mean, maybe there's a reason why if you have a baby, I looked up the top 20 names again, uh, 2021, and, and uh, no, Kathy and I were not planning to have another baby, but we're just, you know, I was doing some research, and, and, and you know, there's reasons why certain names are never on that list. You know, a name, Name, what's the, like, maybe the worst name in the Bible that you would never name your kid? Huh? What's that? Shout it out. Judas. Judas okay, Judas. Obviously. I, do, you know, let me, do you know a Judas in your life? I don't know a single Judas. Maybe there's a reason for that, right? You know a Jezebel? Have you ever met a Jezebel? No, I've never met a Jezebel for why. She a very wicked and evil person, okay? You know, there's reasons our reputation precedes us, and that's why the, 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 the preacher is saying a like, good name is better than even a precious ointment. Your name is important, and likewise, here in the same way, look at the second part of verse 1 the day of death is better than the day of birth. Huh? What does that mean? In the same way, as important as your reputation, your name is, the day of death is better than the day of birth. It doesn't make sense. It shouldn't, because again, wise sayings, Proverbs, and, and these wisdom books, it, it's, it's throwing these, you know, these like rhetorical questions or, or these, these statements that should not make sense initially. You know, think about the day of birth. What are some emotions that come? You parents out there, maybe some of you, you, know, you have you know, nieces or nephews you've seen, you were there in the hospital perhaps. And I've gone through it three times, and you Kathy know, and I were just talking about it, that how this last, you know, again, b- birth with Selah, how, you know, she, it was the most painful moment of her life. Remember, she couldn't get the epidural for whatever reason. The January 2nd, the day after New Year's, don't ever have a baby near our holidays, because okay, none of the doctors are, are working, okay? So we had the residents, remember that? And, and, and they were just not sure what to do, and, and she did not have the epidural. And I remember her grasping my arm, digging her nails into my my, my arms here, yeah, I still have the marks, the scars. And it was so painful because she was in pain. And every push, it was like the end of her life, she said. But how can such a moment where I really thought, oh my, is this okay? I haven't seen this, obviously, in the first two uh, birds. Is this okay? I don't know. To the point of death, she felt, in the minute that little sailor came out. <laughs> how death turns into joy, bliss, utmost exuberance. The place of birth is a place of happiness beyond belief as we experience here on earth, right? That's what we know of, right? When a a, a baby is born, that joy, right? What's the preacher saying? How can a day of death be better than that? How can the day of death be better than the most exhilarating joy that a human being perhaps can feel, maybe? What the preacher is saying, <laughs> it's not that you know death is better than life, of course. We know that. But perhaps death is a better teacher than birth, the day of your birth. Perhaps the day of your death or the day of death is a better teacher for us, for life, than the day of death. Of our birth, right? Think about it for a second. Newborn, baby's born. What can you say about the baby? What do you know about this human being that is born into this earth? Oh, you know, say okay. She kind of looks like mom a bit, I guess. Uh, I don't know her personality at all. She seems to be crying uh, maybe louder than Caleb does. Maybe she's going to be a little bit more vibrant, person, outgoing. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see, right? We don't know anything about babies when they're born, do we? How their actions are going to be, what they're going to live for, what their passions are, and and what their characters like, their personalities. We don't know anything about them, do we? We don't know anything that can teach us about life, except the fact that they kind of look like their parents, hopefully, right? Fast forward now to the day of that little human being's death. Age eighty, age eighty-five. What can we say about her then? you know, she was, she she was like Jesus. You know, the way she lived her life, she she lived like a like a a blessing to others. You know, she lived for a purpose beyond herself. She was so caring and loving to her, not just her family, but to others, strangers even. She, she lived with such weight and depth to her words. There's a lot we can say about someone in her death. On the flip side, if someone, you know, perhaps, maybe perhaps did not live perhaps so much for others, yeah, yeah that person, he, uh, he liked video games, I guess. <laughs> He was really, you know, he was in his room a lot, playing computers <laughs> games. Uh, uh, you know, that person really, you know, he he, he loves to watch sports. And I, I give him that. He's passionate about sports. Yeah. Uh, that, that 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 person, they love to watch Korean dramas. I, I'll give him that. Okay. But I don't know too much more. Um, I think maybe that person just kind of lived for herself or himself. They didn't really love anything or anyone very much apart from herself. Uh, The day of death is better than the day of birth. The day of death can teach us so much about life. Not because, again, death is better than life. We know that that's not, but because of what it can teach us in how to live. When life ends or it's about to end, life's meaning starts to become focused, starts to become clear. The things that really actually don't really matter, you know, that are just temporary, but which we have given so much time to, so much investment, hours, energy, resources, time, money. In the end, on that day, now it seems maybe so pointless. seems maybe empty. On the flip side, the lives that have been touched lives that have been changed by just our interactions, engagement, the generosity we showed, the love we gave and, and received and vice versa, it means so much. You know what I'm talking about? You've been to funerals, you know? You've been to you know, a funeral where a loved one has passed away. What do you think about in that person's life, you know? You think about, man, the impact that he or she, how he or she touched me. How my grandmother impacted me as a five-year-old. You know, my grandma waking me up at 4.30 in the morning and and, and getting the book of the Bible and going to Psalms and reading Psalms together. My brother, you know, she changed my life. She instilled the word of God in me, you know. She was a woman of prayer. Been to a lot of funerals this past year, Reverend Chang, we just had Elder Peter Hong's dad, uh, Deborah's grandfather. We just had that funeral two weeks ago. Uh, the reality of death, it can teach us a lot. Right? What death is saying is, it's inviting us to a table. Here, come on, sit down, have a seat. Let's talk for a little while. I know you want to avoid me. I know you don't want anything to do with me at this point. You're young, I get it. You're 20. You're 25, you're, you got the whole life ahead of you. I, I, I get it, but don't be a fool. Stop trying to just escape life's misery and agonies and, and the pain just by, by drowning them away and just, you know, just the fun things, the short-term the entertainment, you entertainment, know, alcohol, whatever it is, go just you know, drowning them away and pretending that they don't exist. Don't just escape. Would you look forward to this day yourself? Can you bring yourself to that day And ask yourself, on that day of your death, what kind of person will I be? What kind of life did I live? For one day, death reminds us that we will all be dead. What did I live for? Who did I spend my time with? What was important in my life? The preacher says in verse 2, it is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. It's better to actually go to this place of mourning to reflect on this than to go to a party and just have fun, escape away. For this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart, church. Verse 4, the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. Mourning. It's not in the house of feasting and and partying. No, the heart of the wise is in the house of actually mourning. The heart of fools, though, is in the house of mirth. There's two people that the preacher says that goes to a funeral. Two types of people that you'll see at a funeral. One person that uh, uh, just goes there sits there and just cannot bear just how grim and depressing this is man you know this preacher saying this thing that you know this you know I, I just want to get away I don't want to be in this you know depressing uh, you know place anymore let me just go outside the sun shining back down on me and let me just escape back to what I was doing and go back to you know just clubbing or, or the alcohol or go back to my games my YouTube videos, my dramas whatever it is I just want to escape that reality that faces all of us, and then there's a second person that actually sits there in the house of mourning and stares at that coffin, the person, and realizes one day that's going to be me. It'll be my turn. The wise person asks, you know, when it is my turn, what will my life have looked like? What will they be saying about me? What are all the people here that are seated? How will they think of me? Okay. Oh, he loved, you know, his sports and, and the holidays. He loved to go on vacation. Is that it? Verse 5, it is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. It's better to hear on this first New Year's Sunday the rebuke of the wise, the wisdom that God is teaching us than to just hear Song of Fools. Just, just <laughs> Basically, it's you know, better to have someone to sit with you and say, hey, here, here let me share The way your life is going right now, let me, let me just kind of point some things out. I think, I think there needs to be some changes this year. I love you and I, I, I'm worried about you. I, 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 I want to share some things uh, that, out of love, uh, to help, you know, just, just get things back, you know, refocus again, because I'm seeing you right now, and you're, you're starting to lose that focus, right? It's better for a friend to do that than, you know what, just spend your life trying to, you know, what, <laughs> hear the Song of Fools, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and I was asking Caleb, my, my, he just turned eight years old now, I said, Caleb, you know, what do you want to be? in your life? What do you want to be when you grow up? And, you know, and Caleb, again, he, he, he's a kid. He said, you know, dad, I, I want to be an astronaut. I was like, oh, that, how cool is that? I want to be a hockey player. Why not? And I want to be a contestant on Survivor. He said, said where'd that come from? He loves Survivor, you know? He loves, you know, the, the, the strategy, the outwit, outplay, outlast. And he loves all of that. But then what? And then that question, so what? You did all three, you lived a very full life, if you want to say. What purpose? Verse six, for as a crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fools. This also is vanity. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with you know laughter, pleasure, you know, just you know, success, even whatnot. There's nothing wrong with them in themselves, but the preacher's saying, you know, that, that, that kind of amusement disappears as quickly as a crackling of thorns under a pot, you know, as kindling sticks, in you know, when you start a fire, it's gone here and there. All is vanity. It's short. It's fleeting. Death says to us, come in, have an invitation. Sit with me. Listen, you know. There's things you need to hear. How are you are going to live your life? And if we think that, you know, just if I sit down here and just listen to this wisdom here, uh, you know, this person, oh, I'm going to be like, you know, this, this depressed, like morbid person, you know, there's all dark. No, that's not the kind of person that, that God is envisioning here. With his wisdom. on the contrary, uh, this is a person w- with wisdom that has now depth to his soul, that has uh, such depth of character and, and, and purpose you ever met someone like that you know Someone that, that, that understands that you know there's there's more to life than just my weekends and holidays you know there's more you ever see someone like that right It's an invitation right? the people that you know, are are engaged and engaged with the world and their families and, and the work of God through the church and creation because, you know, they know in the end, everything as Ecclesiastes has been teaching us, it is a gift. It is a gift from God. And then one day when God says it's time, whether in 40 years or tomorrow, I'm ready to go, God. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. If death and you know, it comes knocking this week, are we ready? Are we ready if it's knocking on us you know, again? We don't know. The future is undetermined, are unknown to us. God knows that. And you know how this past year has reminded us of our loved ones, right? My dad, my mom. My mom got breast cancer diagnosis. You know, we didn't know how long she was going to live. Deacon Jonathan's father. We're praying for him right now. He's been diagnosed with prostate cancer. Deacon Levy just shared with my D group over Christmas that week. His dad just got diagnosed with prostate cancer as well. Shakes you up. Never expect it. Do we know when our time will be called? There's something important that death can teach us, you know. I'm telling you, my, my dad, like, he's so uh, afraid of dying. <laughs> like, like, he calls me every day to try to, like, ask, like, you know, is it okay, you know, I got this MRI, there's these little polyps showing. I'm like, dad, dad, let me just, you know, send it to the doctor. Let's hear what it says. And then, and then he's like, you got to do it right now. Do, do, I mean, he's just so afraid. What is he? And I, I, I talk to my brother, like, what, why is he so afraid to die? The question then is, you know. What does he think of the, you know, afterlife per se? You know. And then the other question is, if someone is so afraid to die, like then, then how should that change how we live? Right? We're so focused on how afraid of dying, we're afraid how we ought to live. How are we living? You know. You know, I, I, I just say this. You know, I, I saw that movie um, Soul. You, you see that new Pixar movie? You know, life. You know, world wants to teach us a lot of things, life lessons. There's a lot of movies that have come out lately about you know the purpose and meaning of life. A lot of Disney and Pixar movies actually you know talk about that and stuff. But real quick, you know, I was talking with Digna Rumi. She's a you know Coupon movie critic, and I appreciate her her insights. But she's like, you know, Pastor, B, you should watch this. You're preaching on Ecclesiastes, the meaning of life, and all that, and and what what it's all for. And there's this little character in the movie, a little soul known as 22. They just call this soul 22, and she's. She's trying to find her spark, the one thing that she loves that will allow her to go to earth as a human being. And, and if she cannot find that one thing she loves, then, then what's the point of living, she says. So you know what? She's been trying to find that. She hasn't found this. So I don't want to be human, this little soul says, you know. But after she's been given this chance to live on this earth, you know, in, in, in this other human body, I'm not going to go into all that, but she realizes one thing. There are actually things that have made her happy. And it's not that this, this incredible spark that you would think, like you know, you know, I, I became this famous musician, or I became this, you know, this incredible painter, or whatever it is that, that, that we think that it should be our life purpose and pursuit. No, it's a, it's a breeze gently blowing in the wind. Leaves just walking down on the sidewalk on an autumn day in New York City. Just hearing this music by this guitar played by the, you know, this this, this busker in a in a in a subway station, you know. And she says, you know, hopefully, maybe sky watching can just be my spark or walking. I'm really good at walking. And then, you know, this other, you know, person, you know, who's saying, you know, those aren't really purposes, 22, you know. That's just regular old living, you know. What's wrong with you? Find your spark. That's what the world's telling us. Find your spark. Find your purpose. But one good thing I guess this movie does say is, you know, it's not about that really, is it? It's not about this dream job that you're living, living for. It's not about this, this life pursuit of this incredible goal and purpose. And then when you achieve that, you will be happy. No. The movie says it's about regular old living, just, just enjoying day to day. It's kind of similar to the message of Ecclesiastes, except it leaves the most important thing out. How are we supposed to enjoy the little things of each and every day? How are you supposed to live out the purpose of each and every day? Apart from the great big picture of how you and I are in this universe and how our life is part of this life cycle of life and death, apart from God's story, there is no story and just leads to vanity and meaninglessness. How are you going to live this life, this 2021? Who will you spend time with? What will you invest in? What are the purposes that a greater being, our Creator, has called us to? How will we love one another more? You know, I started again after Kathy, and she actually said that to me. Let's let's start reading the Bible again with our boys again every night. You know, <laughs> instead of you know just watching Survivor with Caleb, you know, father, dad, you know, son thing. Let's read the Bible one chapter. It just so excited our children to just. Be with their parents and read the Bible. Caleb, like, Dad, let's read the Bible. It's a little kid, eight year old, telling me that. How are we going to invest our life? Death invites us to the table to a conversation. But today, there's one greater than death that invites us to the table. Death is not our Lord, uh, you know, our master that controls us, it can teach us, it's shown us ways that we can live and what we can live for, but death is not our Lord. If it were, then that would be the end of our being, death, right? We would just end in death. That would be our future. But there, thankfully, is one that invites us to the table today, an invitation of one who conquered death, of one who overcame death, of one who defeated death in his life and resurrection, God's son, Jesus Christ, invites you to his table today. Not just for some advice and words of wisdom, he invites you for a relationship, a fellowship, to give you the thing we've been looking for, that purpose and meaning, and satisfaction that only comes in a relationship with God and his son, Jesus Christ. As I invite the elders up here to prepare the table, would you remember what this invitation is? Death has been teaching us a lot today. What are you living for? How will you live? Jesus shows us what life should be lived for. No longer for ourselves, but for him who died for us and rose again. For Christ has invited you to his table as your Lord and Savior. And we sing in remembrance of this invitation that it is by God's mercy that we've come. By his grace, he has made us faithful that we remember Jesus to give us the meaning and purpose of life. Um, you know, a- a- as the elders um, prepare the table and, and ask uh, you to receive these elements, you know, I want us to sing this song here um, that shows us and teaches us and reminds us of what we're about to receive in this invitation. Uh, an invitation to a relationship, um, to restore the fellowship once again. Okay. That death invites us to a table to talk. Jesus invites us to the table to love for a relationship. To receive his body that was broken for you and I. To receive his blood that he shed for our sins. First Corinthians tells us that the bread represents Christ's body, which was broken for us. A cup represents The blood of Christ, which was shed for the remission of our sins. And in Jesus' broken body and the blood that he shared, we now, by his death, we do not have to face death forever. That death is no longer our end. In Jesus' death, we find our beginning. The beginning of life a life that will give us a new, fresh perspective and attitude in the coming year. Church, uh, the grace elements that we're about to receive is not contained, obviously, in the bread, in the wine itself, per se. Um, It's not going to change into, you know, Christ's body and in his blood, but the benefits of what we receive in the body and the blood are conveyed spiritually as we eat and as we drink. And as such, the Lord's Supper is only to be observed by those who are walking in faith, those who have professed faith in Jesus. You are my Lord, my Savior. By your death, I have life. Thanks for listening to the QPEM podcast. For more information on our church, please visit our website at www.qpem.org. That's Q-P-E-M dot org.